It's an ancient tale, and yet one as fresh as the latest news feeds. It's a tale of oppression and pushback against oppression. It's a tale of, of, of privilege and resistance to privilege. It's a tale of supremacy and the refusal to cooperate with the expectations and demands of a supremacist system. It's the tale of Shifra and Pua that Teresa just read for us. Two women, two midwives. And it's the tale of their civil disobedience, their courageous defiance of, of Pharaoh's discriminatory policies. They're examples, these two, of what Paul would much later exhort Christians to do, which was to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by renew, re, re, renewed minds. Or as J.B. Phillips translated that, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold you from within so that you may prove in practice the plan of God. Those two, Shifra and Pua, exemplify those words when, when the world around them was violently oppressive and they refused to be. Commenting on their tale, the Talmud, one of the central texts of rabbinic Judaism, the Talmud states that in reward for the righteous women of that generation, Israel was redeemed from Egypt. Redeemed, set free, because of them. Everyone knows Moses and Moses' role in the freedom uh, from Egyptian slavery, but the Talmud says it begins before him, begins here with these women. Most of us don't even know their names. That makes the story worth hearing. So, let me take a moment to tell it again. It begins in a time of official fear, when the, when the empire is unsettled by the changes going on within it, and as always in such times, that fear gets focused on the bodies of the vulnerable. In this case, it's the Hebrews, a growing minority within Egypt that Pharaoh thinks needs to be contained and controlled. You know the kind of things that Pharaoh would have said. It's time to make Egypt great again. Egypt, or Egyptians above all. Let's keep Egypt safe for Egyptians. And while he didn't build a wall, he did consign all of the Hebrews to serve as cheap labor. Slaves. Killing two birds with one stone. The problem of high labor costs and the problem of diversity. When slavery didn't contain them, though, didn't contain them enough, when the community continued to grow, their overlords grew anxious and responded with harsher and harsher policies. More and more production, higher and higher quotas, grinding them into submission, breaking their spirit, except it didn't work. The community continued to grow, which led to the harshest policy of all, kill their male children. A task that Pharaoh laid on the midwives, those called to usher in life were expected instead to be agents of death. 
which is where Shifra and Hua come in. They refuse. Two lowly midwives refuse. They resist. They continue to usher in life against all official decrees, and when they are called into account, when they are hauled before Pharaoh, they simply lie, playing on Pharaoh's own prejudices. The Hebrew women are too fertile. They give birth before we even get there. And Pharaoh believes them, and God smiles on them. As they undermine the policy of genocide, as they resist the power of Pharaoh, as they risk themselves, risk themselves to protect life, the life of the most vulnerable, the life of those officially labeled a threat. It's a marvelous tale. And when you consider that the tale was told and treasured in the midst of patriarchy, it's even more powerful that two women risked it all in defiance of the powers, and they were the seeds that started the ball rolling toward freedom. It's a marvelous tale. But it's also more than a tale. It's a summons. A summons to resistance. A summons, as Paul wrote, not to be conformed to this world, a, a world shaped by racism and injustice, a world that bears the scars of those, a world exploiting and fanning racial division and hatred for political gain, not to be conformed to those, but to be transformed in order to prove what is the divine intention. It's a summons, this tale. A summons to all of us, especially now. And I want to hear that summons. A summons, first of all, to choose, as Shifra and Pui did. For them, there was no neutral place for them to stand, no middle ground. They could not live their lives and go to work and do their jobs and carry on as usual without that being a choice. A choice to cooperate with injustice. A choice to, to support a system of exploitation and suffering. They had to choose one or the other, support or resist. And as we live into an even more overtly racist system, under an administration that tolerates terrorism against, against black and brown citizens, that leads an assault on black and brown immigrants, that pardons a sheriff convicted of contempt of court for, for persistent racial profiling and its harsh treatment of in, in, incarcerated immigrants, as we live into the official flaunting, the, or the official support of white supremacy, there is no middle ground for us. We either justify supremacy, actively support supremacy, quietly benefit from supremacy, or we actively work against it. Sometimes there is no middle ground. It's either or. And this is such a time we cooperate or we resist. This tale summons us to choose. 
And it also summons us to act, as did Schiffer and Poole. They didn't simply deplore Pharaoh's administration. They didn't simply attend rallies and feel good in their righteousness. They didn't simply hope, but they put their bodies into it. They acted, acted at potentially huge cost to themselves, their lives. They birthed babies in defiance of official policy to end babies' lives. They risked the ending of their own by allowing those babies to live. And in so doing, they summon us to act as well. To put our bodies, our efforts into it. Beyond the rallies and marches, beyond the vigils and worship gatherings, all of which are good things, all of which are important things to strengthen our spirits and encourage our resolve and remind us we are not alone. But beyond that, the real work, the need for real action, the phone calls, the visits to Congress people, council members, state legislators, the petitions, the letters, the, the building of relationships, the conversations with friends and families, all to peel back the legacy of white supremacy, a legacy that's still enshrined not just in overt violence and hate, but in the far more subtle and pervasive violence of unlivable wages, inadequate schools, discriminatory policing, of policies targeting immigrants and communities of color. We obviously can't do everything, but we are summoned, each of us. This tale summons us to do something, again and again and again, in very undramatic, ongoing ways to act. And it summons us also to realize, to acknowledge, that it all comes down to us, to me, to you. There's a whimsicalness, a playfulness in this deadly, serious tale. The emperor, the, the, the pharaoh, is toppled by the arrogance of his own prejudices and by two lowly midwives, two nobodies, and their choice, their very small action the that starts the snowball that rolls into an avalanche that brings the empire down. It comes down to them to what they choose, what they do, that they do something that they take responsibility and do what they can, as little as it seems, it all comes down to them, then, and to us, now. Every one of us, now. Every one of us is summoned, as, as, as Will O'Brien put it, to roll up our sleeves and join with grassroots communities to engage in the slow and daunting work of transforming those systems where the ideology of white supremacy becomes real in the lives of Americans of color. And it does seem daunting, and what we do does seem so small, but it comes down to us, every one of us, you and me, in our very small, ongoing ways. 
I don't know if any of you know the name of Martin Niebuhr, who was a, a Lutheran pastor uh, um, in Nazi Germany, who eventually, eventually actively opposed the Nazi regime. He spent seven years in concentration camps and narrowly escaped execution. He's famous particularly for one quote that he spoke many times in several contexts with several variations. One I suspect you've probably heard, words that, that, that wail with the failure to take responsibility, and with the shame and vulnerability of having done nothing. I'd like to end by paraphrasing him, paraphrasing him in our context, in the struggle against the racist administration and the sin of white supremacy. First they came for the Muslims, and I did not speak because I was not a Muslim. Then they came for the immigrants, and I did not speak because I was not an immigrant. Then they came for black folk, disabled and sick persons, transgender persons, and I did not speak. Finally they came for me, and there was no one left to speak. Choose Shifra and Pua summon us. Speak, act, they summon us. You, me, every one of us. Let the snowball begin.